Thank you for tuning in to the Everyday Christian Podcast, a work of Scattered Abroad, which is overseen by the East Hill Church of Christ in Pulaski, Tennessee. You can find our website at scatteredabroad.org. In this podcast, we show that God deserves every praise from every creature every day. Here is your host, Chase Green. Hello and welcome to Season 3, Episode 5 of the Everyday Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Green, and I want to thank you for tuning in to this podcast. This is a Scattered Abroad Network podcast. We're going to start with a new feature this week, and we're going to feature one of the other podcasts in our Scattered Abroad Network, and this week we're going to feature The Way podcast with Houston Welch. This is a podcast that showcases the way that God wants us to live by looking at His Word, the way of life and godliness that is given to us by His Word as we're taught in 2 Peter 1, verse 3. So I certainly encourage you to tune in to the Way podcast with Houston Welch. You'll be glad that you did. Well, if you like Christian evidences, I would encourage you to listen to today's podcast. Today's podcast is going to be called Evidences for Noah's Flood. And we've got a special guest with us today, Brett Rutherford, who we'll introduce in just a moment. But also, if you like Christian Evidences, I would also encourage you to listen to one of our podcasts from last year, Season 2, Episode 16, My Top 5 Favorite Christian Evidences. Now, in that episode, I list five Christian evidences, and most of those deal with dinosaurs. Number five on that list, the dinosaur petroglyphs that are found in places such as the American Southwest. Number four, dinosaurs that are mentioned in the Bible, and we highlighted in the book of Job, Behemoth, and uh, Leviathan. Number three, we talked about polystrate fossils. Number two, the Ica stones. And then number one, soft tissue that is found in dinosaur fossils. So if you like Christian evidences, I hope that you'll like today's episode, but also uh, tune into that episode as well. Now, if that episode were a top 10 list, probably most of the rest of the list would be evidences regarding the flood. And that's what we want to talk about today. And again, we have Brett Rutherford here to help us with that for the podcast today. Brett, would you like to introduce yourself a little bit? Uh, yeah, I'm Brett Rutherford. I'm uh, an evangelist uh, in uh, Tasmania, Australia. Uh, I've been here for about uh, 20 years. I'm married to Joanne. I have three uh, children. I also am an elder. And uh, uh, my education, as far as my education goes, I have a bachelor's degree uh, from the University of Memphis uh, with a double major in history and anthropology and a master's degree uh, in ancient Near Eastern studies from uh, the University of Memphis. I'm also a graduate of the uh, Memphis School of Preaching. Uh, so uh, well, that's me. Well, thank you for uh, introducing yourself, and uh, you also have a connection with Caleb Rutherford, who is a classmate of mine from Memphis School of Preaching. Uh, we both graduated in the 2017 class, good buddy of mine, one of my best friends uh, while we were there, and he's also, of course, in our Scattered Abroad Network, and he and, and Michael Clark are heading that effort up, and certainly appreciate them for doing that for us. So what's your connection with uh, Caleb? Well, Caleb is my nephew. Uh, very good 
gospel preacher in his own right. So I enjoy listening to his lessons whenever I get the opportunity. Absolutely. And uh, very much appreciate him. And uh, he recommended that, that I get you on this podcast for this subject. And so I certainly appreciate his recommendation and appreciate you joining me on the podcast today. A couple of resources I'd like to mention uh, that I looked at in my preparations for this study. Uh, the Flood. It, this is a book by Alfred M. Uh, Rewinkle from 1951. Concordia Publishing House, St. Louis, Missouri. And also uh, The Genesis Flood by John C. Whitcomb and Henry M. Morris, 1961, uh, from PNR Publishing, Phillipsburg, New Jersey. So want to make sure and give credit to those resources that I used for my studies. And uh, what I found interesting about that is way back in the 50s and in the 60s, people were realizing what kind of ramifications uh, the evolutionary school of thought had on the religious world. And even though a lot of the problems that have come uh, with morality weren't necessarily showing up as much back in the 50s, certainly uh, in the late 60s and onwards, we're really seeing this this mentality come to come to seed, but I found it interesting that that uh, people with enough forethought back in earlier times realized how how much of a problem this would be with the evolutionary agenda. So we want to get started with our discussion for today, and Brad, I'd like to begin by asking you this: Why is it important that we look at evidence for the global flood? Well, it's. Uh we have to establish the Bible as the Word of God. And if we're going to establish the Bible as the Word of God, uh, we've got to take the historical information that's presented in the Bible and is presented, of course, as accurate historical information. Uh, so we have to take that seriously. Now, uh, if we find that there's evidence that proves that uh, different events in the Bible didn't occur, then that certainly would uh, uh, question whether or not the Bible is actually the Word of God. Because if it is the Word of God, if it is the inspired Word of God, it's going to be accurate. So we can expect it to be accurate. And so we can compare it to uh, what we know about history, or compare history to the Bible and see whether or not those events are accurate. So if something like the flood is mentioned in the Bible, which it is, uh, a worldwide flood, then of course uh, we have to uh, find out whether that's accurate or not in order to have any kind of faith or trust in the Word of God. That's true. You, you know, uh, I think most scientists for the longest time, uh, really until the last 150 to 200 years, accepted uh, the flood as historic fact, and they accepted the Bible as, as fact as well. Um, many notable men of science believed in the Bible and were creationists, and believed to the flood account. Francis Bacon, uh, the father of the scientific method. Galileo Galilei, the father of observational astronomy. Isaac Newton, with gravity and physics and all the work that he did there. Nicholas Copernicus, uh, figured out that the sun was the center of the universe. Blas Pascal, and uh, the great mathematician that he was. Robert Boyle, a great chemist. Uh, Johann Kepler, a great astronomer. Michael Faraday, the electrochemist, Lord Kelvin, uh, the one who found absolute zero, uh, Louis Pasteur, inventor of, of pasteurization, 
Gregor Mendel, the famous uh, father of genetics, Carolus Linnaeus, uh, he came up with the modern taxonomic uh, system of, of categorizing animals in, in uh, kingdom, phylum, class, order, and family, genus, species. Uh, so all these fathers of science were creationists in, in very famous names. And if they could believe the Bible, if they could believe Genesis as historical fact, well, then certainly we can too and still be true scientifically minded uh, as Christians. And I think it's really important for us to remember that. Now, evolutionary geology, who would would say that they don't believe in the global flood, they have a lot of their basis on what's called uniformitarianism. Could you maybe comment a little bit about uniformitarianism and what that means as, re- as it relates to what we're talking about today? Well, it's really a fiction because uh, you don't uh, find that kind of... Uh, when we actually look at the evidence, it doesn't support that kind of theory. And I think more and more even they're trying to change uh, their theory, and that's the thing about evolution. It, it's constantly, I guess, uh, to use a pun, it's evolving. So the evolutionary theory is evolving constantly. So they're having to update their theory uh, based upon current findings. And so they're constantly changing that and, and playing around with that. Um, and of course, um, uniformitarianism uh, kind of eliminates uh, any kind of catastrophic event, such as the uh, universal flood that described in uh, Genesis chapter 6. And so uh, they try to undermine that. And they come up with fictional charts like the geological timetable, uh, which actually doesn't exist anywhere uh, in the earth. And so they come up with these uh, various uh, levels of uh, evolution and say that uh, fossils that uh, go from the simplest forms uh, to the more complex forms of life as you get closer to the surface. Well, that's actually not true. Uh, that's not found anywhere in the world. In fact, in some places, uh, the so-called geological timetable is actually reversed. Uh, so we find uh, a complex life forms actually in the lower uh, strata rather than at the top. So these kinds of ideas are not really based upon fact. Uh, these are things that they uh, assume to be correct, uh, but they're not correct and they're not proven. There's no evidence. In fact, sometimes the evidence works contrary to what they suggest. In fact, most of the time. Right. So it's kind of the idea of a, a slowing down um, rather than what we would say, for instance, with the global flood was a massive change of the Earth's topography uh, because of the destructive impact of that versus uniformitarianism, uh, everything happens extremely slowly over the periods of millions of years, and it always existed at that slow rate. And they might, uh, they might list uh, the Colorado River uh, in the Grand Canyon as an example of that, uh, but we could adamantly argue that uh, it wasn't the Colorado River that formed the Grand Canyon over you know, millions of years, but something like a flood could do the same thing in a very short amount of time. Is that basically right? That's right. Right. That's right. The thing is, too, with uh, water, uh, whether it's frozen or whether it's fluid, <laughs> uh, it has the same effect upon the landscape when it retreats. And so what oftentimes evolutionists would suggest is uh, 
maybe uh, retreating glaciation is actually just water, fluid water subsiding. So it leaves the same kind of debris behind. It leaves the same debris trail, whether it's a glacial, a glacier, a glacier uh, retreating or whether it's a flood retreating. They'll leave the same marks upon the landscape. And so um, you can't really tell what you're dealing with, whether you're dealing with fluid water that's retreating or whether you're dealing with glacier that's retreating. And so they always assume it's a glacier, uh, you know, and so we're talking about the various ice ages and the Ugaritic ice ages and uh, the uh, glaciers potentially retreated. But in actual fact, that could be evidence of a flood. Uh, retreating instead, leaves the same marks on the land, uh, leaves the same uh, shrapnel behind. So it's kind of hard to tell uh, whether uh, water, uh, fluid water actually formed ge ge geological phenomena or whether it was uh, retreating water. Or it's just really hard to know uh, exactly uh, what the form of water was that caused those marks uh, uh, in the landscape. And as you say, of course, floods uh, uh, leave a mark uh, you know, in a devastating manner and quite quickly. Whereas uh, glaciers, of course, leave the same marks on the land, but of course, that's slow over a period of time. So it's, it's really just impossible to tell, uh, to say for sure. Now, obviously, to say that the Colorado River has cut uh, the uh, Grand Canyon out uh, over a long period of time uh, fits in with their their uh, skin because they need time uh, for their their theory to work. But the problem is that they put too much stock in time. Uh, time is not a factor. Uh, so, you know, time is not a force. Uh, so time can't do anything, you know, and so uh, it's kind of a, a silly thing. Uh, and so we know that evolutionists, of course, have changed their theory again. The theory of evolution just keeps evolving. You know, we talk about these uh, different uh, levels of uh, fossils that have been found in different strata, and um, it, it's very hard for them to explain how complex fossils uh, can exist in lower strata, uh, where that shouldn't be the case. Uh, and so they've got these great jumps, you know, from uh, simple fossils to more complex fossils, and they don't have any intermediate stages. Uh, that they can find, and so they've had to alter their theory, and they've come up with things like a punctuated equilibrium, uh, which suggests that evolution happens in jumps rather than gradually. And so you've got a school of thought over here that says we believe in punctuated equilibrium, and you have another school over here that says no, 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 these things are gradual. We just haven't found the intermediate stages yet, uh, and so. These are the things that evolutionists don't want you to know. They don't want you to know that they're having these debates behind closed doors. Right. And they don't even agree with each other. They're constantly bickering and fighting over how things are changed and evolved. So uh, those are things, of course, at the school, they, they put forth that unified front and they give you the basics of evolution. Uh, but they don't want to talk about the details because they haven't worked them out yet themselves. Very, very fascinating and uh, interesting. You mentioned punctuated equilibrium. I guess I'm a punctuated creationist because uh, God spoke and it was created. That's right, all of a sudden. Right. Well, another thing that I think was important for us to remember in why we need to you know, truly believe in the flood, Jesus quoted 
that the flood was a, a historical fact. In Matthew chapter 24, verses uh, 37 through 39, uh, we, we could also look at Second Peter chapter 3. Uh, both of these accounts say that the flood was a historical fact. Matthew 24, verses 37 through 39 says, But as the days of Noah were, and this is Jesus speaking here, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So Jesus uh, quoted it as historical fact. And the fact of the matter is, if we as Christians uh, doubt the veracity of the flood, we might as well doubt the entire Bible. And not only that, but if we're doubting the flood and not taking that account seriously, then we're also not going to take the Judgment Day seriously. Well, this is, I think, the problem with people who try to compromise the theory of evolution. But we've got biblical doctrine. Right. It just doesn't mix. It's oil and water. I mean, you have to believe one or the other. You can't believe both. Uh, and so you're not accepted by either group either uh, if you sit on the fence. So, you know, obviously if we have to put any trust or faith in Jesus Christ, then we have to believe that he uh, said uh, those truths and that they're not untruths. He's the perfect son of God. We have to trust in that. You can't really have it both ways. You can't have your cake and eat it good. Uh, so you can't believe in evolution and believe in uh, what the Bible teaches or believe and have faith in Jesus Christ. As you pointed out here in Matthew 24, uh, he believed it to be a historic fact, that is, the flood. Uh, and, of course, compares his uh, second coming uh, to uh, that sudden event of the flood. His coming is going to be just like that, quite sudden and unexpected. All right, we're going to go ahead and pause at this time, and we will continue this interview next week on the Everyday Christian Podcast. I'm certainly thankful for Brett Rutherford joining us and discussing this, and it was truly a very good discussion, very fascinating stuff that we're going over here that hopefully will increase our faith as Christians as we study uh, the effects and the evidences of Noah's flood. Join us next week for more discussion of this important topic. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Scattered Abroad Network. If you would like to email us, you can do so at thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. That's thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. Remember, you can check the show notes below for all of our social media platform links. Also, don't forget that you can find us on all major podcast platforms, and please leave us a rating or review. We hope and pray that this has helped you grow closer to Christ even though we are scattered abroad. May God bless you.